Well, I think I'm on, so good morning. Now, I'm excited, and I, I'll just jump right in because that's just who I, who I am, okay? I, I've had something burning in my heart, and it might sound a little cocky or verbose, and it might sound a little, well, who does that guy think he is? But it's what I believe that I have for you today, all right? So let me just say this right now. I, Jay Carson, am destined for greatness. I am destined for greatness. Now, let me, let me explain a little bit more. I am someone to the Lord. I'm his favorite. I am destined for greatness. Right? I just love the interaction. This is great. You know, it's not confidence that I say this with. Because I can be confident all I want. In fact, my prayer is, Lord, I don't want to be talented or confident or good at anything. I just want your presence. I don't, I don't need to be the best at something. I need to be in your presence. So I am destined for greatness because I live in God's presence. Now, let me just, my personal prayer is this. And I'll tell you, I'm pretty selfish when it comes to this destiny that I have. Because it's my plan. It's his purpose. My plan. I want to be like Noah who built an ark when there was no water. I want to be like Enoch and walk with God and was no more. Now, I don't really want to be no more, but I want to walk with God like that. I, hold on now, I want to be like Abel who made a sacrifice and gave his very best to the Lord. I want to be like Abraham, who was promised the stars and lived his destiny, right? I want to be like Joseph, although I want a coat of many colors. It would look weird right now. Uh, I, want, I want to live out my life despite tragedy and take victory for my family. Amen? I want to be like Aaron, a priest who lived in the presence of God. I want to be like Moses, and I want to lead my people to the promised land. I want to be like Joshua and trust in God when no one else would. I want to be like Samson and rely on God's strength and not my own. I want to be like Jonathan, a faithful and loyal friend. I want to be like David, a man after God's own heart. Amen. I want to be like Elijah, powerful and anointed. And I want to be like Elisha and take a double blessing. I want to be like the prophet Isaiah, inspire and scare a nation. I want to weep like Jeremiah for God's people. I want to be like John the Baptist and be considered great. I want to be like Peter and preach to God's church. I want to be like Mary and sit at the feet of Jesus. I want to be like Paul and change the very fabric of today's church. I want to be like James and I want to pray so much that I have calluses on my knees. I want to live my life in greatness, not cockiness, holy inspired greatness. I want to live my life for that because I, folks, am destined for greatness. 
Turn your Bibles to Ephesians 2. I've been camping on this for weeks now, and I can't get my mind off this. And it just, I'm an artsy guy. I like to be creative in my own mind, not everywhere else. <laughs> and I've been thinking about Ephesians 2.10 quite a bit when it comes to this subject of greatness. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The first word that caught my mind was workmanship. I mean, when you're an artist, when you're a craftsman, when you're a, an expert at your trade, your workmanship shows in everything that you do. And I, I hate to say it today, church, but as Christians, uh, we are not living like Christ's workmanship, like the very best. You see, we are an expression, us, of his artistry. Everything that he planned and promised and did starts and ends with you folks. You are an act of his expression. And we walk around the earth quiet and meek and humble, and we call that holy. Now, I'm not saying it's not, but we need to understand who we really are in Christ. We are the ultimate expression of God's artistry. I am destined for greatness. You see, the creator of all things who spoke the sun and the moon into position with such precision that if it was off by one half of a half of a degree, things would be chaos. They would be out of order. That guy, that person spoke your name and created you. God the Father knows your name. You are an expression of his artistry. You see, we, church, are his only plan. We're the only ones. There's no backup plan. We are perfect in our creation. And we walk around here like we are nothing. I'm telling you, I am destined for greatness. And hopefully by the end of today, you'll know that you are too. Because we are his only plan. And that plan is you, not me, it's you. It's us collectively. You see, we live in lack when we don't have lack. We live in a world of, you need to be confident. I always told my kids, and this maybe bothers me now, you know, life is tough, so fake it till you make it. I did. And I, I thought, well, that's how I live my life, because I don't know how to do something, but I'll sure give it a shot. And then I thought, but that's not the Christian life. That's how we live it. We're running around faking it, folks. And we, you know what? We've already made it. The minute you say, Lord, come into my life, you become who you were meant to be. You see, I am great because he made me great, not by my work, but by his. Earlier in Ephesians, he talks about God's sacrifice, how he went through and he, he adopted us into his family. And when that happened, we became his, his very own. You see, we have self-confidence instead of God-confidence. And I am destined for greatness because I have learned what it means to do things because we're saved. But guess what? Because we're saved, we do things. <laughs> That's true. If you, if you know the plan for God in your life, you can't sit in a chair every day and do nothing. You can't. 
You see, he has ordained my steps. He has ordained your steps. And therefore, our lives are destined to do good work everywhere we go. You see, I am destined for greatness. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, Lord, how can I convey the fact that I know my plan is you and your plan is us and that we are destined for greatness because that's your idea? And as it would be, I came up with three easy steps. Oh, come on now. Every good preacher should have three steps, right? Three steps. Easy. So number one, because that made me chuckle, sorry. Number one, to be destined for greatness, you must realize that we have a purpose in all that happens to me and through me. Now, we walk this world sometimes, oh, I had a horrible day. Oh, man, my, look at, I know things bad happen to this place, to this world, to you and to me. But we live on and from that situational lifestyle. We live based on the situations that are in front of us, not from what's inside of us. You see, I started reading in Philippians. I just couldn't get my mind off of Paul and the fact that he's writing to the Philippians and, and he's writing from them from great tragedy, right? And he says this in Philippians 1, verse 19. He says, For I know that his will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectations and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live in the flesh, this will remain, uh, this will mean fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better, yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with me for all your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may be abounded in Christ Jesus through coming to you again. Now, let me explain. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. Second time he's in prison, he probably was thought he was going to die, right? He didn't live a life of situational uh, testimony. He lived a life of God's situational testimony. In other words, Paul knew that his circumstances, they were bad. But guess what he said later in Philippians? I have learned in all things therewith to be content. Paul was in prison. And the, the funny, interesting thing was, Paul wasn't just in prison like we see it today. Paul was such a prisoner that he was shackled to one of four guards 24 hours a day. So he wasn't just in a cell. He was actually chained to a prison guard. Crazy, right? So this was, in the, in the world's eye, a bad dude, right? Yeah, but, but yet, what I'm fascinated by is Paul didn't complain, did he? He said, look, I want to remain here. There's things for me to do. Yes, I want to go be with the Lord, and I'm ready, but I have things to do for my confidence is in the Lord. And you see, uh, he saw in that moment that God's plans were still at work, and during imprisonment, he found joy and he found purpose. In the worst of situations, you can too. Life is not always enjoyable, but you have purpose during suffering and joy in the midst of battle. And that's how we should live, 
If you want to be destined for greatness, you have to live like that. You see, Paul's outlook was actually kind of bleak, but he was facing death. If these, these could be his last days, and yet he found reason to do good work and praise God. Today, we complain about everything and find purpose only when it's given to us. I, I talk to a lot of people every day that complain about everything. I mean, all day long, I take phone calls at work, and people are complaining about stuff and never happy, and they say, hey, I'll call Jay. He'll make it better. <laughs> the truth is, it wears on you. And you know what the funny thing is? You know what I hear when I hear complaining? All I hear is complaining. <laughs> imagine a non-Christian hearing a Christian complaining. Can you imagine Paul writing this? No, oh, I don't want to be here, shackled to these four smelly guards. But yet, hey, guys, be happy. We laugh, but that's what we do. We walk this earth in meekness, not fierce like we should be. We walk this world complaining when we should be happy and joyful in all of our circumstances. It's funny that sometimes uh, I hear people say, well, I only got 30 hearts or likes on Facebook or Instagram about that, so maybe no one liked it. Huh? I don't understand that. I didn't even, I don't, I mean, I just burn, burn to everybody. So that's what I do. Like, 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 like everybody. I would like everybody because I don't know what, what, I mean, am I being mean if I don't? But that's, you see, I, I, I make joke of it, but it's so true. Your young people, listen to me, young people, you find your identity in how many people like you on Facebook, yet you have no connections. That's not God's plan for us. Sorry, side trick. You see, one of my new favorite quotes is this. I think I actually posted it on social media, so there you go. God never wastes his time, though we may waste it by not sensing God's purpose for our lives in that moment. Let me say it one more time. God never wastes his time, though we may waste it by not sensing God's purpose for our lives in that moment. In that moment, we can see whatever we choose to see, joy, sorrow, frustration, but we must choose to be destined for greatness, and we must choose to influence the world around us by following Paul's example. Chained to four guards, this man saw his opportunity to preach to the Praetorian guards, and he even says, because of my witness, their lives are different. I am meant to be in this place unbelievable when you think about it. I don't know many people that would do that nowadays. You see, Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So if we were created for good works, we must then go do them. That brings me to point number two, like a good biblical guy. Point number two says this, to be destined for greatness, we must always live in that moment. Sometimes we want to call like Jeremiah or Moses. Uh, I, I got news for you folks. God's divine plan isn't always obvious for us. Sometimes it's very small, but the consequences can be monumental monumental. We have the luxury of looking back in scripture and seeing these great men 
But I would love to have five minutes with them and say, did you know you were great at that moment? They had no idea. They were just doing what they thought was right in their hearts, serving their Savior. You see, if we look at Hebrews 11, and I know Jeremy spoke about it a while ago, but I, ever since he talked about it, I can't get out of my head. It talks about faith be the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. It goes on and lists a myriad of great people by faith, Abraham, right? When he was called, obeyed by going to a place which he would receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, following heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which which had foundations, whose architect and builder is God. But by faith, He considered, by faith, even Sarah herself received the message to conceive, even before the proper time, since she considered him faithful, as was his promise. Therefore, (laughs) there was born even one man, and him as a good and dead, that as many descend the stars of heavens in the numbers innumerable in the sand, which is by the seashore, by faith, He knew that what God told him was true. But I guarantee, at least let me just, let me back up. I would have said, really? God, I I hear you. I appreciate that. But well, I mean, seriously, think about it. The world wasn't very populated like it is now. I mean, I think the largest number they have was a thousand at that point or something like that, hundred thousand of thousands. It wasn't even, they never even heard of a trillion at that point. This is 2.5 trillion stars in the sky right now that we can count. I'm sure they could see the stars because they didn't have the city lights like we do. <laughs> and I mean, just looking up at the stars some days, I just go, wow, I can't even imagine the promise that God promised him. And yet his wife couldn't conceive. And yet, there weren't that many people around. And yet, and yet, and yet, and yet, but by faith, he grabbed a hold of that promise because he, w- he knew that he was destined for greatness. You, you know, the, the best part of Hebrews 11 is this. And then all the people, he talks about Abel and all, you know, he goes through the whole thing. And my favorite part is 13 because most of us miss this. All of these people died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance. They had no idea the gravity of the plans that God had for them. All they knew was what was going on at that moment. There's no way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would know what the plan was They were just doing in their heart what they thought was right. They had no idea. Daniel going to the lion's den, I'm sure didn't go, well, nothing's going to happen here. They knew what was coming, and yet they made a difference at that moment. That's all it is. I am destined for greatness because I choose to, at this moment, do what God has put in my heart, and his word says what I should go do as well. At this moment, I don't have to wait for a call. I can do it right now. Here's the great part. You will never know what your actions, you never know the gravity and the weight of your actions, 
and how they affect other people. You'll never know because your story is only this much written. I guarantee these people didn't realize, well, one day there'll be a Bible and I'll be in it. They didn't think that way. I mean, we live, I'm going to write a book about that. How many times have I heard that? Famous people, I should write a book. I served here, I did this, I'm going to write a book and everybody's going to buy it and I'm going to be famous. That's not what they were thinking about. The great part is your book is still not written either. And it's not finished. Because you know what? At that moment, at that moment when Abraham was told that Sarah was going to have a child and they'd been trying for years and she was now a little longer in the teeth, some might say, he said, hey, I don't know. Uh, okay, God, I believe you. They didn't have infertility clinics where they went and got some shots and they did all the things and all that stuff. They only had one plan and that was God. And by faith, they took a hold of that plan. Now, I love the fact, I love the fact that they didn't grab a hold of everything because it wouldn't have been a cool story. Because no, seriously, think about it. If they knew what the end result was, it might have changed the outcome. Sometimes when we know what's coming, it makes it easier for us to have a little less faith. One of my favorite days, and i sorry, I can't help it, is payday. It's a good day. You know why? Because I know that if something comes up, I got paid. It's all good. And I, my whole, it's, you think about it, Friday payday, woo, I'm just a little happier in my step. It's payday. Not because it's anything special, but because there's great satisfaction and comfort knowing that I have security in my bank account, right? Same thing. We have to stretch ourselves. Not everything's easy for us. I'll tell you what, I have a lot of neighbors and they're not, they're not very talkative folks. And I've been trying to talk to them a lot. I don't think they like me too much. That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. So if you listen to me, neighbors, here you go. I want my neighbors to know what my house stands for in my neighborhood. I do. <laughs> the, the Broncos, right. Yeah. No. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I want my neighbors to know that I am destined for greatness because they can have the same plan that I have. And that their lives don't have to be miserable and bleak. And their circumstance that they're facing doesn't have to be overwhelming. Because why? Because I have something that they need. That's it. You know what I have? I have the love of a Savior and the comfort of Him dwelling inside of me. You see, by faith, <laughs> by faith they wrote their own book. And by faith, we can write our own book too. We can do it. Faith blazes a trail. I love that. I like to, I'd love to be a trailblazer. It makes me happy when I do something that no one's thought about. Maybe it's bad, maybe it's good. But by faith, we can do that. Faith blazes a trail in a world filled with hate and destruction. It does. My story, your stories, our stories are destined for greatness. You see, we don't see the end result, and that's okay. But if you live knowing that you're perfect from a creator who made you perfectly, that you were designed to be the way that you are, don't put yourself down, don't live with self-pity, self don't live like you're, like you're a second-class citizen, know that you are the child of the living God who's adopted and grafted in the vine, that you are special in all the ways, and that you were made perfectly at this moment, for this moment, the way that you are, because God has a plan for you, amen? We need to live that way. 
And if you feel different, then get your head in the book because this is the answer. Getting this to here will change who you are. Amen. It's not, it's not, pardon me. It's not psychology. It's not Facebook. It's not talking to a friend. It's not praying more. That all helps. But this is what changes your life. The book. I brought my book today. Amen. You see, you are destined for greatness. If you can grasp that you play a part in in God's plan, it will change the way that you live. It will change the way that you act. It will change the way that you pray. It will change everything. Colossians 2.9, one of my favorite scriptures. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily forms, and in him you have been made complete. You have been made complete. I like that word fullness. It's a Greek word. I won't hammer it, so I won't say it. Uh, But it's an abstract term meaning not just divine qualities and attributes, but the very essence of God, the whole glorious total of what God is, the supreme nature in in its infinity entirely dwells in you. You see, that word dwells. So the fullness is everything that Christ is. And that word dwells in the Greek means this. He's, it's not that God comes inside of you and it's some kind of alien inside of you. It's not, it's not foreign land. It means he's come home. God wants to dwell inside of us. He, the very power of Christ the very God who created the earth, the very God who created every circumstance in this room dwells and takes residence up inside of us. That's what makes us great. Because of that, we can do anything. Anything. It'll change the way that you live, folks. It will. We are destined for greatness because of who lives in us. Point number three, in case you're keeping total, I was tracking it down. Number three, to be destined for greatness, you have to serve regardless of the outcome. We like good results today, don't we? In fact, we give credit where, oh man, they brought 10 people to the fish fry. Woo, that's the best, yay! But we never talk about the one. You see, I'm not talking about acts of service. You can get busy. There's things in the church to do. Talk to, you know, Dav and Laura, Kara and Jeremy. There's always something to do. We need to serve regardless of the outcome. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by this movie. And, and maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. It doesn't really matter. Kevin Spacey played a guy and he paid it forward. It's called Pay It Forward. You guys all say, yeah, right? And it's this great idea that, you know, whatever you do to somebody else, hey, don't pay me back, just pay it forward. I was sitting in a Starbucks the other day in, in the drive-thru, and I go up to pay, and oh, that person paid it forward. I'm like, what, what do you mean? Well, they bought your coffee. Why? Well, they were being nice. You're supposed to buy the next person's coffee. Why? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I peer pressured, and I caved, and I did, my first question was, well, how much is theirs? 
I did. I asked that question. Die cheap. I can't help it. How much is theirs? Theirs was reasonable, so I bought it. If they had like four sandwiches, I'm like, no, they could pay for their own. But we have this idea in our culture that we pay it forward, that that's our attitude as Christians. Oh, bless you, child. Pay it forward. We laugh, but as Christians, we're supposed to be much more than people who pay it forward. We don't help people because we've been helped. We don't give our tithe because we have extra. We don't, we don't talk and witness to our neighbors because they're nice people. We don't do those things because it's convenient or easy or it's something that the world says we're supposed to do. We do it because of who dwells inside of us. That's an expression of his permanent residence here. Let me tell you, man, if you're struggling with something, if you want to change who you are, get a hold of this concept because you can do better and you can be better, not on your own, but because of his strength. Pay it forward nonsense. Live it forward. Be a better spouse to your spouse. Be a better husband and wife to your spouse. Be a better father or mother. Be a better neighbor. Be a better coworker. Be a better brother. Be a better sister. Be a better person. Not because that's the right thing to do, because that's what the person who dwells inside of you planned for you. At that moment, be better. If you have a temper problem, stop it. You are not doing anybody any favors. Be better because Christ, the presence of the living God dwells inside of you. Let me tell you, have you ever tried to pray and be angry at the same time? You can't do it. Mow the lawn for someone who can't. Say a kind word to someone who needs it. Don't accept social norms. Don't drive by when someone needs help. Witness to the lost. Be hope for the hopeless. Say kind words to the people who don't know what kindness is. That's what we're called to do. That's the works. That's in the Bible. It's all there. That's his plan. It's not your plan. It's what he desires for his people. Be better. Do better. Live for destiny. You know what this living for destiny does? It changes your outlook on life. If you know that your plan and designed to do something, it will happen because God enables us and helps us to be prepared. Living for something makes a difference. We have today a society of people who like to hold signs and yell a lot. We laugh, but I'm sure there's a few in this crowd. I feel like doing that sometimes too. But that does not make a difference. All it does is cause more chaos. We have to live for destiny. You see, your book is not finished. Your destiny is not done. God's plan for you is still there. I don't care what age you are, whether you're 10, 30, 50, 75, 105, and 220, God's plan still is there for you. Your book's not written, folks. It's not done. I hear that I'm retired now. 
or I'm not old enough to do that, or I can't afford this, or I can't do that. Listen, I'm telling you why, right? I'm telling you right now, there is a plan for your life. You just got to understand what it is, and it's right in this moment. Look around. There's things to do. Be that person. You see, heritage, let's talk about heritage church. We have a goal. We pray for this every day. We pray that 10,000 souls would be, would come home, (laughs) would come home to a loving father. 10,000 people would be baptized, born again, speaking in tongue, world changers. Can you imagine what that would do in Clark County? You see, it's not about having a big church. That doesn't matter. That's what the world focuses on. It, it doesn't matter if we have beautiful facilities, although they help. That's what the world looks at. One can make a difference. Two can do twice as much, and three can do anything. All it takes is a few of you to grab a hold of the fact that you're not done and your story's not over and you can be a part of something bigger than yourself. God's plan is to save America, save the world. And that, oh, that's so good, Jay, way to go. Save the world, yes, Jesus. No, stop it. It's our jobs. We have to do better. I'm gonna tell you a story, is that all right? It's an interesting story. It's about starfish. It's kind of applicable. Now, uh, once upon a time, it's a good story already, (laughs) there was an old man who used to go to the ocean and do some writing. He had a habit of walking on the beach every morning before he began his work. How peaceful. Early one morning, he was walking along the shore after a big storm and had passed and found a vast beach littered with starfish as far as the eye could see, stretching in both directions. It'd be like Long Beach covered in starfish. Think about that. Off in the distance, the old man noticed a small boy approaching. As the boy walked, he would pause every so often, and as he grew closer, the man could finally see what, that, the, that the little boy was occasionally bending down to pick up an object and throw it into the sea. The boy came closer, and still the the man started to cry out, "Uh, Good morning, young man. May I ask what you are doing? The young boy paused, looked up, and replied, Throwing starfish into the ocean. You see, the tide mister has watched him on the beach, and they can't return to the sea by themselves. When the sun gets high, they will die unless I throw them back into the water. The old man replied, but, but, but there must be tens of thousands of starfish on this beach. I'm afraid you just won't make it, son. Why are you doing this? I don't understand. You are, you're not going to be able to do it. The boy bent down gently, picked up another starfish and threw it back into the ocean. He turned and smiled at the man and said, it made a difference for that one. It made a difference for that one. It made a difference for my neighbor. It made a difference for my friend. It made a difference for my child. 
It made a difference for my coworker. It made a difference for this person and that person. Everyone can name 10 people that we could call home tomorrow, and it's our responsibility to pick that up and get them here. Not here, but home. Home is a place where God dwells. That's what we desire as Christians. That's our hope. Go be better. Go do more. Go be great. Live for greatness. You were designed to do great things. We were destined for greatness. Not Jay, I am. You. Everyone say it. I I am destined destined for for greatness. greatness. You see, every time we hear about a person in the Bible... We don't hear about the bad things that they did or remember those things. We remember how they changed the world for Christ. Your story is simple. At this moment, some of it's already been written. There might be failures. I'm telling you right now, there might be failures. I know in mine there are. There might be regrets. There might be things that you just aren't proud of. But guess what? It's your story, and it's not over yet. It's not over yet, folks. There's so much more to do that you can write that story, but you have to change your mentality and live for greatness. Live for the king. It's not about us. It's about the starfish. It's about the people who have never heard of the loving Savior. It's about the people who don't understand why we're so happy or we should be so happy. It's about the people who don't know why I go to church on Sunday, and they should. You see, I grew up in the church, and I had the pleasure of knowing my father. He was a man of God. He was a pastor. He died at 45 years old. I'm actually amazed because every day, every week, Every second, that man, he impacted me. And not only me, the people that were around him. Every time I see it, they say, oh, Jay, you look like your dad. He was such a good man. I remember sitting down with my dad when I was around 20, and I said, Dad, you worked so hard. You worked 70 hours a week at church, and you worked full time at the grocery store in a small town cutting meat to make ends meet. I said, why do you do it? He said to me, because I can make a difference. Because I know what Christ did for me and I can't help but do something for him. It's an expression of what's inside. I know where I came. I know my faults. I know everything about me. But I want to be like my father. And I'm not going to let that stop me. I I used to ride in Denver with my father, and he'd say, oh, I beat a guy up there. I shot a man there. I'm not kidding. He rode a motorcycle gang. Bad dude. But when he was saved, he was different. Strung out on drugs. Bid bad drugs. LSD, PCP, ABC, whatever those are. (laughs) Listen, he was a bad dude. Every friend he grew up with was either in prison or dead. Period. Except for Brent. Every one of them. And he said, Jay, 
because of why God, because of how God saved me, how can I not tell people about him? Every second I have, every moment I breathe, everything that I do is a reflection of what God did for me. And so I can't help myself but go do something. He would tell me, I'd say, Dad, what do you tell someone if they say, I've got nothing to do? And he'd say, baloney, you have something to do. Do what's in front of you. Do what's in front of you. It's so simple. As a Christian, we have to do what's in front of us. Paul knew that in the prison, right? (laughs) Do what's in front of you. Go be great. Change the world. Make a difference to someone. Listen telling you right now you may think you're not worth it but i'm telling you right now you are you know why because you are christ's workmanship there is nothing wrong with you there's no flaw there's no imperfection there's nothing that's wrong with you you are exactly god's plan exactly god's plan exactly 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 every one of you your story is still yet to be written God has a plan it's not done you have things to do live for greatness be great church do great things Lord Lord we thank you Lord that we can be great because you are great. We thank you, Lord, that we serve a father who loved us so much that died on the cross, that gave everything so we could be everything. Lord, I thank you for that. God, thank you for your plan for our lives. Lord, help us to go and be great because of a loving Savior. Amen. Amen. Thanks, church. Have a good Sunday. Amen.